It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome in to this edition of the Opening Kickoff Podcast. We're back after our week off. Our apologies for that. Some things came up that we needed to take care of, but I'm super excited to be back. Ravens in the win column, beating the Buffalo Bills. So it's a good day all around except for Brandon, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. I'm your host, Dave Steinwald, joined by co-host number one, Brandon Stevens. You got the vocal cords warmed up? Yeah. Hi, everybody. You know, we're we're back. Today is this is terrible. It's a bad day. Bad day for me. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad day for our second co-host, Joe Schiller. How you doing? Great. It's a great day. No, it, w- <laughs> it wasn't pretty, but we'll take the win uh, against a good Buffalo Bills team. And there's not not too much smack to talk because it was a close game. So we'll just keep it light for now. <laughs> yeah, we, we will. Um We'll get to our, our great guests in a moment, but for those of you that don't know, Brandon and I put a bet on this game. Uh, if I, if the Ravens won, Brandon would have to sing a Christmas song. That will be coming on next week's show. If, of course, the Bills had won, I would have had to sing a Christmas song. So, unfortunate for Brandon, he's going to have to break out the vocal cords next week and uh, serenade us with a holiday song. I'm trying to get a record deal out of this. <laughs> Uh, Joe, do we have a leader in the clubhouse of what we think the song should be? I don't know. We're gonna, I'm going to take the week to think about it and, and get something good. It's definitely going to be something that's going to be testing his vocal cords. you got a pretty deep voice, Brandon, but I think we're going to get something that gets you, you know, some high-pitched sounds here going okay. next week. All right, I think <laughs> I can get that. You know, I think I can take it there, Joe. Yeah, we need a little bit of challenge here. <laughs> I'm all in. I'm already ready for next week. Uh, <laughs> let, let's get to our great a great guest this week. He is part of the Brawl Network. He's actually a producer, so he's probably very excited to actually getting to talk sports tonight. You said, Koshul, how are you doing, buddy? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. How's everyone else doing? Oh, fantastic. I mean, Ravens won. Brandon's going to have to sing. I mean, everything's working out perfectly here for us. See, my downfall is Dave's, you know, this is it's, it, he likes seeing me suffer. I think I think that's what it is. <laughs> it's it's about content, Brandon. It's about content for the shows. You said knows that doing it doing the shows. It's all about content, right, man? You're you're trying to get stuff that's going to get some clicks. Yeah, you know, I have to, like for the NFL brawl, right? I have to like 
put together an outline every week and I'm like, okay, what do you talk about? Like, you know, got to make things interesting because you don't want to fall asleep listening to a podcast, you know? Right. And that's why Brandon's going to have to sing next week on the show. But we got <laughs> yeah, to keep everybody awake. <laughs> we, we got a loaded show for you. We're going to talk about college football. They just announced the college football playoff for t- final four today. We'll dive into that. We'll dive into some of the bowl games. And we'll look ahead to the NFL because we missed two weeks. We had a coach fired, and we have a lot of moving and shaking in the NFL. So without further ado, let's dive into college football. The final four was announced today in order. It's LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma getting the four seed. We ask the question every year, so I'll ask the question right now. Did the committee get it right? Yeah, Yeah, I don't really think they had much of a choice this time. I think this one was pretty cut and dry. You badly, Brandon, you badly wanted Ohio State to lose last night by the way you were uh, uh, texting all of us. Yeah, listen, I don't know if it was me wanting them to lose. It just didn't look good. Wisconsin choked that game away, but we'll forgive them this time. All right, so I, I agree. I think the, it's pretty easy to say when you look at it that it's they got it right. They didn't really have any other options to go to. It wasn't like years past where you had a pretty respectable team sitting there at that sixth spot. I mean, you basically had everybody had two losses behind Oklahoma, so it, it became the easy and the logical choice. I don't know if it means that we're going to get better games out of it, but, I mean, the committee's – decision got much easier when Georgia got blown out and then Utah lost and then Oklahoma beat Baylor. Yeah, yeah I think playoff games. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'd agree. I feel like the committee really got it right because like you're getting, so you're getting Joe Burrow versus uh, Lincoln Riley and then you're getting like Dabo Sweeney versus um, Justin Fields in Ohio State, which, like, personally for someone that's, like, super into the NFL draft, I'm super excited to see, especially because I feel like this is the first time in, like, a couple years that people have actually, like, started, or at least the committee's, like, actually given LSU respect because it just seems like Bama always uh, ends up getting in. Yeah, to me it was, you had your, you know, your playing games this past weekend and, and Georgia lost it to LSU and Utah lost to Oregon. And then it was the playoff potential playoff game between, between Baylor and Oklahoma. It would have really just been interesting if Utah would have won, then when it came down to, you know, who do you put in over, you know, do you put in the winner of Baylor, Oklahoma over Utah, if Georgia were to lose, but it played out where, like you said, Dave, there was really no question of who was going to get in after Georgia got blown out and that Oklahoma won. So I'm not mad about it. I think that makes sense given you know, everything this year. And even if Ohio State would have lost, they still would have been in the playoffs. So to me, that game wasn't meaningless, but it wouldn't have mattered in that case. So I'm happy about it. And it should be, you know, two pretty entertaining games for what it's worth. Brandon, any more thoughts? No, I just, you know, I agree with everybody. You know, I think they really hit it on the head this time. Uh, There should be no controversy. Uh, Everybody should be, you know, they should understand why these four teams are making it in. Yeah, I, I agree. So, this is our, also our favorite time of the year to look through some of the college football bowl games. And we're going to tell you some of the intriguing ones that we think you should watch. 
And then we'll tell you the ones not to watch. Everybody good with that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's start with the negative. Let's let's get the negative out of the way. Is there a bowl game, Joe, that you look at right now off the top of your head that you say, no way in hell are you catching me watching this bowl game? Ooh, I got to take a look. Come back to me in just one second. I'm looking All right, I'll, just to make my pick. I'll start it off while everybody looks. I got one, and it's the first. It's the second bowl game of the year. It is the tr- Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. What Utah, God's name? <laughs> Utah State plays Kent State. Utah State is seven and five, and Kent State is six and six. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Already can tell you, I'm not into watching that game. <laughs> yeah, that is. That sounds disgusting. No, I'm, <laughs> no, no. I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> you, looking at the numbers, Utah State has their their quarterback, Jay Love. I don't know who the first name off the top of my head, but he's over three thousand yards. But he has 17 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. And Kent State must be really bad because their quarterback threw 18 touchdowns to two interceptions, and they're still 6-6. Six and six. So that already is a, a big red flag. So I think I'm skipping the Frisco trop- Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Uh, you said you're our guest. What do you? What's the bowl game you're looking at that you're like, I'm not touching? Uh, so it would actually be the uh, Red Box, folks. I know Illinois is playing uh, – yeah, it's California and that on December 30th. I don't want to watch it because, like, all right, so I go to U of I. My, you know, sister went there too. Great school. But the problem is that every single year it happens where there's some college football team from the Illinois area that ends up making it to, like, a bowl game. And they get absolutely trounced on national television, which you hate to see. And I think it's going to be the same story here with uh, Lovey Smith and the fighting Illini. <laughs> All right, who, who's who's Brandon Joe? Which one of you's got a bowl game you don't want to watch? I got so. Um, all right, I got one of the uh, New Year's Six bowls, uh, the Cotton Bowl, uh, Memphis against Penn State. I don't know where Memphis came from. You know, at seventeen, <laughs> but I did watch Penn State this season, sort of just like carve defenses. So I feel like this one isn't gonna be. I don't know if it's going to be a shutout, but I think Penn State is going to win by more than two scores in this bowl game. Wow. Bold statement by Brandon. We'll come back to that hot take. All right, Joe, the bowl game you don't want to watch is? What I don't want to watch, and I don't think what the rest of America wants to watch, is the quick lane bowl. Nothing says entertaining like being in downtown Detroit, Michigan, watching Eastern Michigan (laughs) and Pitts go at it. Detroit. It's just... (laughs) And the Lions have had such a terrible season this year. What better way to fill that arena than with a six and six team versus seven and five team, the Big Ten, um, or the ACC versus the MAC? I, I just I can't bring myself to watch that game. I'll probably you know turn you know change to the channels and see that one and and watch it for like five or so minutes and then and then completely change the channel. But I unless you go to either school, you can't tell me there's much to you know be entertained about again between those two teams. I think the only way you end up watching that bowl game is if you've got money on that game. Yeah. <laughs> You're watching yeah, it going, a... going. I got, I got Eastern Michigan in the points. I need them to win. But even <laughs> at that, I'd have to be like ten beers in before I did that. 
<laughs> All right. So we got the negative ones out of the way. Let's take the college football playoff bowl games out of the picture, and let's talk about the non-college football playoff bowl games. What are the bowl game you think people should watch? I'll give you guys a minute because I got my choice right in front of me. It's a sad bowl name. It's the Verbo Citrus Bowl. And it's Michigan and Alabama only because I get to watch Jim Harbaugh versus Nick Saban and who throws the better tantrums on the sideline with Michigan at 14 and Alabama at number 11. Give me the Citrus Bowl as the most watchable. The Citrus Bowl. Wow. How the mighty have fallen. Consider that for Alabama, how mighty they have fallen. They go from being in a college football playoff the last four years to they don't make the college football playoff and you're put in the Citrus Bowl. I feel like that's Michigan's, like, pretty much bowl now. Like, it's just the <laughs> bowl that says, hey, you weren't good enough to get into the college football playoffs, so we'll just toss you right in the Citrus Bowl. I think you're right. I think that – and every year I don't end up watching the Citrus Bowl, but I might watch it this year. Is that, like, a, a pity move on them? It's like, here, <laughs> Michigan, so. you know, like, we're sorry we couldn't put you in, so we're going to let you play Alabama, you know, pretend like this is the playoff. <laughs> All right, so you said what's your bowl game that you think people should watch? So I'm going to go with the uh, Rose Bowl and just Oregon versus Wisconsin. I feel like had for both of these teams had the season gone like a bit better, you know, they probably would have um, made it into the top four. But, yeah, so I'm going to be watching it mainly because I want to see, like, all the uh, – you know, I'm a big NFL draft guy, guys, so I want to see all the uh, draft prospects get out there, like, one last time for the ones that are declaring in 2020, but then also the ones that, like, Kayvon Thibodeau that are going to declare down the road. All right, Brandon, your bowl game that you, you're going to watch is? The Outback Bowl, January 1st, Minnesota versus Auburn. I think that's going to be a really good uh... – Really good game. Uh, I kind of wanted to see Minnesota make the college football playoffs. Unfortunately, you know, they couldn't couldn't get it in. So it would be nice to watch them play, you know, Auburn. Auburn's a good team. Should be a, a competitive game. <laughs> you guys both uh, stole mine. Uh, but I'll go with the Sugar Bowl. I think George versus Baylor is going to be a really entertaining game. Two teams that had a chance to make the college football playoff this weekend and blew their chances. So should be a good one to see Matt Roll go up against Kirby Smart in that game and that should be just an entertaining one that I feel like should be pretty close between those two teams. I agree. We, we picked some good ones, and we also picked some stinkers. By the way, I found another bowl game as I was looking through that that every year ends up on my list of not watchable bowl games. The famous Idaho Potato Bowl, gentlemen, is Ohio University versus Nevada. Anyone oh. interested? I can't say I am. I can't, can't <laughs> say I am. Right, Again, so I'll probably I'll probably tune in for it just cause. It's the Idaho Potato Bowl. And besides, they play on that blue turf in uh in uh, Boise, so why not watch that one? All right. So last question, college football wise, before we move on to the NFL, before we move on to our other topics, actually, what should Tua Tugvailoa do? I feel like there's now this big debate. He said he's he may not go to the pros if he feels like he's not in the top 20 uh, draft prospects. What do you guys think should be the move for Tua Tagovailoa? Joe, we'll start with you. I think he should just go. I'm not sure there's – I mean, he could definitely come back, improve his stock a little bit, 
coming back and play for Alabama. But I think at this point, he risks the he risks more injury if he comes back to Alabama. And if that if that happens, then you know there's he's his draft stock's going to plummet even more. I think there's kind of this big question mark around him, even with the injury. I still could see him being a first round pick. I think talent alone, he's got it there, and there. You know, reports have come out that he's going to be fully recovered from this hip injury and be able to play. I think he should just get, go and take the money. If I'm not mistaken, I read that he has draft insurance as well to make up for any loss of you know, position or loss of money he loses from you know, where he probably would have been drafted before the injury to now. So if I'm him, I think I'd go ahead and declare, you know, see where he gets drafted, probably get drafted. It might be better for him, to be completely honest. Maybe he gets drafted into a situation where he doesn't have to play right away and sit behind a quarterback and maybe late first round mid delayed first round than maybe being the first or second overall pick where he gets thrust in this so maybe this injury ends up being a good thing for him but if i were him i think i'd just go and declare and and not come back to alabama yeah i mean i i think you're absolutely absolutely right there joe i think uh he could he could benefit being like a patrick mahomes or lamar jackson where he goes to a situation and gets to sit for a while make sure you're 100 percent healthy get your mental reps at the pro level and then be in a situation where you have a, a better team around you. I mean, again, it's like we talked about uh, the last time we did a show. I mean, you're looking at teams like the Bengals, the dolphins. I mean, these aren't great franchises, but if you're lucky enough and you happen to slide and you fall to maybe like a chargers or the Steelers, one of those teams where they're, considering moving on from the stalwart veteran now that's the benefit that would be a huge plus for Tua if he slides so I'm like you I think he should go out he needs to go to the pros what more do you need to prove at Alabama besides that you're injury prone you need to go to the pros and make your money right now so I think he needs to go and he needs to declare for the draft Brandon yeah no I agree uh you know I feel like he should definitely go get his money you know, there's really no point in staying in college. You know, like you just said, it's only going to prove that he's, you know, injury prone. And all it's going to take is one more injury. And, then, you know, it's, it's bye-bye for, for you. So I think you should just go now. Uh, like Joe said, if he gets drafted into a situation where he doesn't have to play right away, you know, that's really best-case scenario. Uh, so, you know, there's always a silver lining to these things. So he should definitely go um, late first round. I, I definitely think is his uh, – is his dream spot, you know, so that way he gets drafted to a team that probably doesn't need him right away. All right, Mr. Koshol, make your uh, pick. Stay or go? So, yeah, I think you guys pretty much touched on all of it, but just my personal analysis is that, um, you know, I could make a serious case for both, right, stay or go, but I think for Tua, you go to the NFL because you look at the way that teams are kind of handling these quarterbacks um, when they're coming out of the draft now, or out of college, I'm sorry, is it's like they're on the bench for a couple games because the coaches are like, look, you need to learn the speed of the game, get your mental reps, etc. You know, we've seen it, like you guys being Ravens fans, uh, we've seen it with like Lamar Jackson. Being a Bears fan, I saw it with Mitch Trubisky, where it was like, sit on the bench for a couple games, and then when we think you're ready, you can go, um, you know, then we'll throw you into the starting lineup. So for Tua, like, wherever he gets drafted, you know, he'll have a great career. But, um, you know, just go to the NFL right now because it's going to take time for you to learn, and the hip injury kind of, like, buys you some extra time to get all those, like, mental reps he could end up in the Bears next year. No offense, you said, but or no, not not knocking Trubisky, but 
that could be a spot where I could see Tua end up next year. Yeah, you know, I mean, so the Bears have, like, they've got two second-round picks next year, you know, and one of those is going to be the Raiders. So it's projected right now to be, like, two second-round picks, I think, like, in the 40s range. And so I could easily see the Bears, like, packaging those picks to move up into the first round, especially if, like, you know, Trubisky doesn't finish the season strong over the last three weeks. Sorry, guys, Mike fell, but, um, (laughs) you know... Yeah, especially if Trubisky doesn't finish the season strong, then, you know, and Tua begins to slip, then draft day you're sitting there and you're like, hey, this is a possibility. Like, let's go up and get this guy. All right, so let's transition over to the NFL. Let's start with the Ron Rivera firing. Uh, kind of took everybody, I think, by surprise that Rivera got fired. Uh, just give me your guys' initial thoughts on the Rivera firing. Yeah, my initial thought was I, I, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, I didn't really think that was the, the answer to the Panthers' problems. You know, so, like, uh, Rivera's been through it all. You know, he's been there. Uh, when they went to the Super Bowl, he was there. When they, you know, uh, the whole division had losing records and somehow they, you know, just missed the playoffs. Like, he's been through, through everything. And I feel like, you know, Cam being hurt, and being out, and that really crippled the Panthers. Even though, you know, Kyle Allen looked good for the first couple games, if you're looking at him now, like, okay, we definitely need Cam back, and he's not going to be back until next season. I don't think this was a, a change that needed to happen for the Panthers. Um, and I, I don't foresee this getting any better anytime soon. You said? Uh, so... You know, I, I don't, I can't really say that I was like super surprised by it. I was by the firing of Ron Rivera because I felt like he was going to get fired at the uh, end of the year anyway. But I will say, like, I was, um, you know, kind of surprised at the timing of it. I don't think he was like the cause of all the problems in Carolina, especially because like it's not his job to bring in like wide receivers or get the quarterback healthy, like. That's the job of the, um, you know, front office and, like, the training staff and whatnot. So he was, like, a victim of circumstances. But then at the same time, if you look at it, like, he was on uh, track this year to miss the playoffs again, which would have been, like, the third time in four years that he missed the playoffs. So, you know, it's the way of the business. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I was too surprised given the way the Panthers season was going and David Tepper bought this team a couple of years ago, and he's a very aggressive guy coming off the streets of Wall Street. So he let Rivera kind of have his year or two and then decided, you know, this is a decision I want to make and really try to make his stamp on the organization. So I think it was better that they fired Rivera now than making him kind of wait it out until the end of the season. I think that just shows the respect they have for him and just the entire organization in the city because so many good things were said about him when he was fired. They really let him have his own press conference and speak to the media and really be kind of open about this entire situation. So I think they handled it well, given the circumstances, but all the talk is that Tepper is a really aggressive guy and wants to make his stamp. And and it starts with firing the head coach. If that's what you're going to do as an owner. And, you know, I respect that if that's the way the Panthers want to go, they're going to have some decisions this offseason with Cam Newton, whether they want to continue to have him as their starting quarterback under center and really kind of change the direction of this franchise. So Ron Rivera is going to be coaching somewhere next year. There's no doubt about that. He's a great head coach and a very respected figure around the NFL. I think it's a good move for both sides to kind of get a fresh start. So am I really surprised about it? I don't think so. And I think it's something that probably just needs to happen, whether it was really the right decision or not. 
I, I mean, I, the timing to me is is a little, a little bizarre. Just given the four weeks left, I, I get what you're saying, Joe. I just think probably could have just let him finish out the year at this point and then moved on. But I think for Ron Rivera, it gives you the opportunity here in the next couple of weeks to kind of scout out your next job potentially and go, okay, well, I maybe the Jets get rid of Adam Gase. Well, do I want to go to New York? Uh, maybe Chicago moves on from Nagy, just throwing out places, Dallas. And you can kind of start to go, okay, well, if this team comes calling, how interested am I in that job? Or do I just want to say, you know what? Maybe I just wait. I don't want to take that job. I want to wait and see if that job comes open. So his benefit is now he gets to sit back and just read the coaching market and see what's going to be available so that he, he can kind of go in with a game plan of what he wants in his next head coaching job. Because I think we can all agree, Ron Rivera will be a head coach again next year in the NFL. He's done enough to warrant that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, so I'll throw out two destinations, I guess, right now where I think Rivera would come in and fit really well. One would be the New York Giants that I think they're going to move on from Pat Shermer. And then the second would be the um, Jacksonville Jaguars because like they're getting, they just got blown out against the Chargers. And so I think that uh, Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell are going to be gone. And I think Marone would be, I'm sorry, Rivera would be the perfect fit because like they have some young pieces on that defense in Jacksonville and Rivera can develop talent really well. All right. So let's play hired or fired. What we're going to do, I'm going to throw out a head coach with his current team. You're got, you guys are going to tell it. We're going to tell you whether we think they're hired for next year or they're going to be a part of the black Monday. So we're going to start with the Los Angeles Chargers, who appear to be on their way to going to 5-8 and eight on the year. Anthony Lynn, Joe Schiller, Anthony Lynn, hired or fired for next year? Hired. Um, they, the Chargers suffer some just absurd injuries, it seems, every season. Derwin James and a ton of guys already this season. I think the question for me would more be whether Philip Rivers returns or they go with another quarterback next season, but I think Anthony Lynn still still around they they liked him there and he led him to you know divisional round of the playoffs last year so i don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon i agree i think it would be foolish of the spanners family to get rid of anthony lynn because of what you said there are a lot of factors that have gone into why the chargers are where they're at and i don't think it's necessarily fair to put all the blame at the door of anthony lynn brandon hired or fired next year hired for sure uh you know just like we, you know, you guys just talked about, it's not his fault that every season somebody big on the Chargers gets hurt. You know, I think uh, two seasons ago it was Keenan Allen. Last season it was Hunter Henry. This season it was Hunter Henry and uh, Derwin James. So there's always somebody big. Um, that's just something that plagues them in the offseason. It seems like it has been for quite some time. So, uh, you know, they made the playoffs last year. Uh, there's really no point, in, you know, getting rid of Anthony Lynn now. All right, you said, are you on the same boat with everybody? Yeah, so I think you keep Anthony Lynn around because, like Joe said, I mean, this guy was 12 and 4 a year ago. He took him to the, um, you know, divisional round of the playoffs where they got bounced by, I think it was the Ravens, right? But, um, so yeah, keep him around because, like, 
unless there's some super big firing that goes down, some big house cleaning, I don't think you find a better coach like on the market than Anthony Lynn. And Ron Rivera is obviously like an exception. All right, next coach on the docket, Freddie Kitchens and the Cleveland Browns. Hired or fired? You said we'll start with you. So, yeah, fired, because here's the thing. So, Freddie Kitchens, prior to getting this job, right, He the guy was a run game. He was like a running backs coach. And then when Hugh Jackson got fired, got promoted to offensive coordinator, then magically, like, a couple months later, finds himself in a head coaching position. And I was telling people all offseason that the Browns were going to suck this year because – you know, there you got you hired Freddie Kitchens, and the guy just isn't qualified to be a head coach. And then you add that into all the drama with like my the you know the Miles Garrett incident, etc. And he's just been one of the biggest problems in Cleveland. And so I'm saying Freddie Kitchens is going to be fired in a couple of weeks. Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, Freddie's done. Man. It's, it's it's time to retire Freddie Bathrooms. He's got to <laughs> go. I think Freddie. especially if they, especially if, if Odell is really serious about leaving, then it's, it's curtains for Freddie, man. You can't drive your star out of town. Joe Schiller. Yeah, we're going to pretty much agree on all these right now, but I, I completely agree that Freddie Kitchens needs to go. I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. I guess it's because the Browns have such a favorable second half schedule and there's still, you know, a tiny chance they could enter away into a wild card spot, but Given how respected John Dorsey and this whole front office are, I'm, I'm surprised they put up to it, put up with it to this point. Um, given all the antics of you know, everything, and then him wearing the shirt that said Pittsburgh started it, and just just those things are you you don't see that from the top head coaches. They don't, don't play themselves in those situations, and they don't have any of those things pop up in the first place. All the drama and everything. The Browns have a ton of talent, and we talked about it going in the season. Is he the guy that could be able to manage all these heads, all these? top tier talents and and it's proven that he can't and you know there's rumors that Odell wants to leave after this year the Browns struggled throughout the entire season for being a team that people thought were going to compete for a Super Bowl he's just not the guy to do it they need to bring in someone that's an experienced head coach they have a lot of talent there but he's just not that guy to do it for him yeah you're right we're going to agree on this he's going to be fired because he's plain and simple he's a dipshit I mean why would you Wear the shirt. I don't get it. It's stupid. He hasn't been able to handle his players well at all this year. I mean, you got Baker Mayfield criticizing the training staff after the game today as a Christmas decoration goes off in the background. They're a mess. He needs to go, and they need to get rid of some egos in that locker room, I think, going into next year. And if that's Odell, that's Odell, but they need to go. Let's go to the (laughs) NFC East. They're leading the division, but everybody wants Jason Garrett gone. Brandon, hired or fired Jason Garrett? Oh, man, fired on the next bus out. This is long overdue. Like, we're talking years. <laughs> like, I don't understand how Jerry – well, I'm never going to understand the relationship that Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett have. Like, I don't think anybody will ever understand, but I feel like this is this has definitely been coming for the last few years. So I would be very surprised if he's still uh, still with the Cowboys. Well, I'm going to shock everybody. I think he's hired for next year. And I think the reason is J- Jerry Jones is going to realize that Jason Garrett is his perfect puppet, and there isn't going to be another coach he's going to bring in that's going to allow Jerry Jones to be as involved as Jason Garrett. I mean, let's admit, at the end of the day, Jason Garrett 
it does the bidding for Jerry Jones. And as frustrating oh, as frustrating as he is to Jerry Jones, Jerry knows he's not getting another guy like Jason Garrett. So it's going to drive Cowboy fans nuts. But I think Jason Garrett is hired for next year. You said, what do you think? Uh, so I think, you know, fired. I mean, so he's been there for like, whatever, 10 years almost. And the problem is that like, just too inconsistent. It's like one year they're good, the next year they're bad. And then on top of that, you watch, if you watch that Thursday night game, you saw just on the sidelines, like the, he seems to be losing the locker room. Like there's once a video surface of Jason Witten yelling at someone, you know, people, the players are just all over the place. So like it bothers Jerry, right? But like Jerry kind of put himself in the situation because he should have fired Jason Garrett like two or three years ago. Right. But um, yeah, Jason Garrett's going to be fired just because he's just not the right guy for that job anymore. Joe, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a question. Or I guess not a question, but a conversation, whether, whether what we think is going to happen or what we know is going to happen. Cause I wouldn't be surprised to see if J- Jason Garrett is, is back next year. And I would touch on all the points that you already made, Dave, that he's Jerry Jones's yes, man. He'll, he'll do whatever Jerry says. And Jerry's and Jerry's not going to find another coach that's going to do that. But with all the talent that they have, and I believe they're probably still the top scoring offense after this, after this week, they need a, they need a coach who can, who can excel that talent. And whether it's a, a Lincoln Riley coming in or another, you know, college football coach or another guy, as much as I could, I could see Jason Garrett back. I think just, uh, how poorly they performed to expectations this year just means that he's out. They need to find someone who can really get this talent going, and they're good enough to be one of the better teams in the NFC, but under Garrett, they just have not been able to do that. <laughs> All right, so I got one more. I- I'm trying to avoid some of the obvious ones, like Atlanta with Dan Quinn and uh, Doug Marone we already touched on. How about Matt Patricia and the Detroit Lions? Is he hired or fired for next year, gentlemen? Ooh, that's tough. That's a tough one. So I, yeah. So I'm gonna go with um hired, and here's why: it's because the Detroit Lions this year they've just been like a, you know, you know the thing is there's been too many injuries there. Like one week Trey Flowers is down, then he comes back, and it's like Darius Slay goes down, and then Carryon Johnson's been hurt. And then the biggest one of all is Matt Stafford, who's been dealing with a broken back. And so I think if you're the Lions, like, ownership, the front office, I think you give the current regime there just one more year to get things right. And then if they're still terrible next year or if they're not in contention for a playoff spot come, you know, the first week of December in 2020, then you consider pulling the trigger and say, all right, you guys are gone. I'm going to say Matt Patricia is hired as well, you said. And I think you hit a lot of the nail on the head, the injuries. I mean, the Lions got off to such a great start, and then it just – injuries just kind of sapped this team. So I think they get another year, but there's going to be a, a, a heavy focus on the Lions from their front office and from ownership. But, hey, okay, we gave you a pass last year for the injuries. Now you're on the clock. We have to see – and the Lions competing for titles and not the bottom feeder in the NFC North. Joe, hired or fired? I'll say hired as well. I think he gets another pass because of the injuries, but to you guys' point, I think they're under the microscope next next year, given you know Stafford will be back and, and all the talent with carry on Johnson back next year from injury. 
you get this expectation with the Bill Belichick coaching tree that you're going to come into this this team and, and make him as successful as the Patriots. And we haven't really seen many, if any, coaches have the same success of, you know, coaching under Bill Belichick. But I couldn't see them probably firing him this year. I think you got to give them at least one more to see what they can do. And, and to your point, with all the injuries, it's it's just tough to really judge a team when you're starting quarterbacks out your top running back got put on injured reserve and, and you're suffering some other injuries. I mean, David Blau starting at quarterback, you're, I mean, you don't expect to win many, if any, games with that, no matter who the head coach is. I don't care how good good you are at evaluating talent. When you have a third-string guy you signed off the street, it, it's just hard to win any games. Brandon. Uh, I have a feeling he's going to be hired. You know, I, I feel uh, like they they can't really get rid of him. Because, you know, like we covered with the injuries with the Lions, you know, he's suffering no starting quarterback. Matthew Stafford really makes that offense run year in, year out. Uh, the Lions haven't had much of a run game in, you know, a few years. So, uh, you know, just, just missing that focal part of your offense. Uh, you know, like Joe said, you don't expect them to win, any, uh, win many games uh, with, uh, you know, your backup QB. Um so I I look forward to Matt Patricia being there next season. <laughs> All right. So with that, we're going to transition to week 14, and we're going to talk about what we've seen. And, boy, we saw a lot. Let's start with the Niners-Saints game. I mean, if you're a fan of defense, you didn't want to watch that football game. <laughs> Niners won 48-46. What did this game tell you guys more, about the Saints or about the Niners? Joe, we'll start with you. I think it told me more about the Niners, and I think they're the top team in the NFC. Coming off a game where they really struggled to get anything going against the Ravens, granted it was a terrible, you know, weather conditions in that game. But for them to come back and really just answer, you know, because the Saints are almost un- unstoppable in the dome with Drew Brees and how well they played. For the 49ers, and especially Jimmy Garoppolo solidifying himself as a top, you know, one of the top quarterbacks we're trying to get into the conversation to be able to come back and answer, especially on that last drive to give it to George Kittle, set the 30 yard game winning field goal for Robbie Gold said more for me because the Saints are an established contender. We know what they bring, especially with Sean Payton and what Drew Brees have done. The whole conversation was, are the 49ers a legit team? Can they beat those top teams? They didn't, they couldn't do it against the Ravens last week, but for them to come into the, to the Superdome, which is one of definitely one of the hardest places to play in a given week to be able to answer each punch thrown at them and, and end it with a game winning field goal to me said more, but both these teams, I mean, if, if there's any reason in any argument for the NFL to flex these games um, a lot sooner, this is it. I mean, how great would, would a game like this would have been on Sunday night watching it. And I get, you know, with, with TV schedules and networks that it, it varies and there's a lot that goes into it more than we realize, but man, this game should have been in prime time. And I wish I could be watching it tonight rather than being at one o'clock having to try to watch the Ravens game and then switch over to red zone and different things. This would have been a great game uh, on either Monday night or Sunday night. So I'm going to actually say it told me more about the saints and not, not the team as a whole, because they, they defense very banged up. So didn't surprise me. They gave up 48 points when they were down to their starting linebackers and they lost a cornerback very early in the game. What it actually told me more was drew Brees himself. There have been some kind of questions about Breeze since he's come back from the injury. I mean, they didn't play a world-beater schedule when he came back. He, he They played the Cardinals, the Falcons, Buccaneers, Panthers. 
Uh, Falcons again before the Niners. They hadn't he hadn't really played a top defense, and he played a top defense and put up numbers today. And I think kind of there was some creeping doubt in the back of the mind with with Breeze. Uh, oh well, maybe maybe he's he's finally hit the end. He was twenty nine of forty three forty nine and five touchdowns. And I really think it was just a uh, hey, I, I'm I can still play, guys. I can still lead this team. If the defense gets healthy, there's nothing in my mind after watching today that would think the Saints couldn't go back to the Super Bowl. So I think it told me a lot more about Drew Brees and some of the doubters that had started to say, well, maybe they should go back to Teddy Bridgewater. I think he put that to bed today. Yeah, so I kind of learned a lot about uh, both sides today. Uh, You know, I learned that the Niners are – you know, they're really the truth. Uh, you know, I really think that they, you know, might be the best team at NFC. And, um, you know, we might see this matchup again in the playoffs and it might have a, a you know, the, uh, the the Niners might be walking into the Super Bowl if that's the, if that's the NFC championship game. They, they really showed me today that, like, they, they can really do it. George Kittle's a monster, by the way. I just want to shout him out because he might have won me my fantasy game. So I just want to... <laughs> I just want to give him a quick shout out. Uh, but I also learned a lot about the Saints. Um, I learned a lot about Sean Payton and his play calling. Because I want to know what Alvin Kamara did to Sean Payton that, like, he's turned into, like, a, a, a third down back. Like, who is Alvin Kamara to Sean Payton? Like, why why is Jared Cook catching two touchdowns, you know, and, like, leading that offense? And Mike Thomas is just standing there, like, yo, what's, what's happening? But, uh... They're, they're getting, like, really weird with the play calling. Uh, you know, Taysom Hill keeps coming in. You know, we saw the, the fake punt with Taysom Hill. Like, why is he why, why is he the one, you know, throwing the ball uh, on fourth and 18? Um, Sean Payton is trying to – I don't know what he's trying to do. I don't know if he's trying to, like, you know, set a smoke screen for the playoffs. Like, oh, you never know what we're going to do. Like, you know, you might see Taysom Hill come out, you know, running back at some point in one of these playoff games. But um, it, it just told me a lot about, you know, just how – I think how good of a coach Sean Payton is because uh, his playbook is just endless. All right, you said Niners or Saints. Who'd you learn more about? So I'm going to go with the um, 49ers. I know some of you guys touched on this earlier. Like, we know what the Saints are going into the year. We knew that they were going to be an established Super Bowl contender. And the San Francisco 49ers, they won, like, whatever, four or five games in 2018. And partly because Jimmy G was out. Then going into this year, they have that big draft that they do. Really nice offseason. And then everything's taken off. And uh, the 49ers, I think right now, like, they're my pick to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, prior to the season starting, I had them sneaking into the playoffs as a wild card team, but they've really surpassed, um, you know, all the expectations that people had for them. All right, so let's let's talk about the Ravens and the Bills game just for Brandon. Joe, did this change your opinion about the Bills after watching how they handled the Ravens today? No, but I think I had a pretty high opinion on the Bills in the first place. I mean, not you don't take a nine and three team lightly. I don't care whether you try to whether people try to argue their strength of schedule. Uh, for me, the game that did it, it was how well they played on the road against the Cowboys last Thursday night. But going up in Buffalo in December is always a tough matchup. No matter the Bills' record, they have a great defense and 
to me, they were the best at containing Lamar Jackson that we've seen this season. Obviously, Lamar was still able to toss three touchdowns through the air, which was a huge reason why the Ravens won. But I don't think it really changes my my opinion on the Bills. I still think they're a playoff contending team. Uh, Going to probably sneak it through the wild card. But no, they're they're a very talented team. This is a team the Ravens could play again potentially down the road, depending how the playoff schedule you know shapes out. But they're talented, and if Josh Allen could have a better game on Sunday, then then the Bills win that game. He overthrew a lot of receivers. The wind played a factor, and the Ravens' defenses were relentless in the pass rush. They got to Allen a lot and put a lot of hits on him. They had six sacks and twelve quarterback hits. So the Bills' offensive line didn't do Allen any justice. They exposed some of the Ravens' defensive flaws that we talked about last week with the outside run. Devin, Devin Singletary got there. But no, this is a talented team, and, and, and they'll be a playoff team come January. So, Brandon, uh, I, I will say I was a little harsher on the Bills than I expected. I think the thing that's going to hurt Buffalo, though, they don't have a big, tall receiver. They don't have a real go-to guy outside of John Brown and Cole Beasley, who, for lack of better terms, are slot receivers. I think they're a year away with a couple pieces, maybe on the offensive line, as they couldn't block up the middle. It was atrocious to watch the offensive line play. And maybe one kind of big receiver to give them just some size on the outside. I mean, it was incredible watching just the size difference and going, if they get into a situation in the playoffs where they play a team with big corners, they're going to be in trouble because – they're not going to win the size matchup. So that's the only thing that I think could hold back the Bills is their offensive line and not having a big stud receiver on the outside to, to give them a little height. But uh, they're going to be a tough team to play because that defense plays with some attitude. I mean, they were getting after the Ravens a little bit, and it was really, I thought, the first time I saw somebody match the Ravens' attitude at the line of scrimmage. So you said, I don't know if you got to watch any of the game. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I did catch um, the entire game, actually. And um, so it was the way I expected it to be just like a hard-fought defensive battle. And, um, you know, when I looked at the schedule, when I looked at this game, like on Tuesday or Wednesday, check who's playing who on Sunday, I was like, all right, this Buffalo-Baltimore game is going to be one of those games where it's like, who doesn't turn the ball over and who just plays smarter on offense, uh, you know, in order to help the rest of the, you know, the, to help the defense rest. And I thought, kind of thought that's what you saw from both, um, you know, teams today. But uh, ultimately, like, Lamar has been on another level this year. And I think that that's the, like, you know, he was a difference maker in this game. Brandon, any comment to your, to our semi praise of the Bills? Semi praise. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, the thing that's really holding us back is our offensive line play and just, you know, just Josh Allen's accuracy. You know, it's been a problem now for the last, you know, two seasons. So uh, I feel like once he just gets that, you know, gets that together just a little bit, that'll give us a a bigger chance in some of these big games. Uh, But I'm not too concerned. Um, I feel like we should make light work of the Steelers next week and everything will be all right. All right. I got a couple more questions, and then we'll move, we'll move on here and get close to the end. Flip to the other side. Any concern about the Ravens going forward after what you saw today? Joe, you and I will save our comments for last. Brandon, we'll start with you. Um, I didn't really see anything to be too worried about. I feel like the Ravens have been having a 
a great year. Uh, and this is just one of their, you know, I, I can't even call it a down game because they won. But, um, you know, it definitely didn't look like past weeks. Uh, I feel like this is this just show what the Ravens could be. I don't even want to call this their floor either, but like I don't think there's anything to to really worry about. You know, they just faced a good opponent. Uh, it was a you know a tough, hard game, but I feel like you know moving on, the Ravens will be okay. You said you got uh, any concern? So no, like major concerns. I will say though, I mean, you know, as I have the stats she's pulled up in front of me, like Mark Ingram averaged on um, three point three yards per carry, and so. Uh, I know you guys will have different thoughts on this, just being Ravens fans. But, um, you know, the one thing that I'm concerned about is, like, all right, when the Ravens get to the playoffs, if they do play a team like the Bills again or they do play uh, just a team that's excellent at uh, run-stopping, right? Like, you're going to have to have, um, you know, someone other than, like, Ingram step up in the run game because Buffalo did a phenomenal job today, like, uh, you know, stopping the uh, Ravens rushing attack. So, Joe, uh, my thing, Greg Roman, his play calling today was was really bad. I, he got too cute, I thought. He got away from the run game. I kind of think to what you said's talking about. I mean, Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram, it wasn't like they were getting many negative rushes, but he got away from the run, and it just stymied this offense at times. They needed to get the run game going early and often uh, and just – Get it going. It just stick with the run, and he didn't do it, and they're very lucky the defense had a great game. So, it, it, to me, it was the play calling that I thought really stymied the Ravens today. Yeah, we'll get into it on Wednesday, obviously, with the Ravens Brawl podcast, but I agree with you to a point. Um, I want to take kind of a dive into it and really into the film and take a look at some things coming up this week. But, yeah, there were some, there were some questionable plays. Um I think the Ravens could have definitely benefited from just sticking to the ground game, but to me, I'll take a win where they can they can win that with that they can win that type of game even when the offense isn't necessarily going their way. So I, I agree with you there, and I'm just happy to see them still kind of grind out these wins before when they were blowing out opponents, you know, the previous weeks. Yeah, so you you're right. We'll get into that. I was I wanted more so to get the non-Raven fans' opinions. Um, so a couple things. How bad is the officiating in the NFL, guys? Oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> like, I, I, whenever I have the discussion, like, about people, when I tell them, like, I'd much rather watch, you know, regular season basketball sometimes than watch NFL games. And, like, they ask me why, and I always say it's the officiating. Like, the officiating is so inconsistent, it's ridiculous. Like, I had people blowing up my phone today, like, yo, how much did the Bills pay the Ravens? I'm like, listen. We ne- like this never happens for us. Like I- I'm as surprised as everybody else is. Joe, there were bad calls both ways. I guess Cole Beasley got he give him the freaking Oscar for that flop he had. My God, that was so <laughs> terrible. Um, and there were definitely some, like I said, officiating was bad on both sides. I'm not going to say the Ravens were the only team to uh to have the bad end of the stick there but yeah there were there were some bad there were some bad calls all around and you never want to see a game decided by officiating obviously when it came down to it marcus peters making the deflection off the pass to john brown was the was the play that actually decided it but man that i mean i know marlon humphrey had his had his arm around beasley a little bit but 
God. I mean, that you can, I've seen, I haven't even seen actors play that as well as he did. I mean, that was an <laughs> extreme flop. Yeah, it, the the officiating, and it wasn't just the Raven game. I mean, the Saints got hosed on what should have been a pass interference call. I feel oh, bad God. bringing it back up. They yeah, didn't call recurring it. Nightmares. And then and the you, Dolphins you fact, did too. yeah, the Dolphins got one hosed. Then you look at New England uh, because of a bad call. They challenge it. They don't get the call. They can't challenge what was a missed touchdown. I mean, Jesus, guys, when. When the Patriots are getting screwed, officiating is horrible in the NFL. That's how bad it is. <laughs> you, you said you want to add any more to it? Yeah, it's just been like, a, it was, you know, I think this week was kind of like a summary of all like the, the last 13 weeks, basically, where it's like every single time, you know, there's a couple bad calls and then everyone's pissed off about it. And then it's like you go into next week wondering, hey, like, who's going to be my referee crew this week? And if it's, like, a well-known crew, you know, I'll be like, all right, so this is, you know, maybe we're going to miss some calls. But it's, like, even that Thursday night game, I was watching the Bears, and they the Bears got robbed, right, of, like, a fifth touchdown that they could have potentially put up on the board because it was the flimsiest two-hand touch uh, block in the back call that was called on receiver Javon Wims. And then on that same play, they missed like a face mask. And it wasn't just the first face mask they missed in that Thursday night game. They were probably, I want to say like 60 yards worth of face masks that um, they ended up, the refs ended up missing. So the biggest problem right now is just the um, refereeing. And I think that when you have the owners meetings in the spring, like that's definitely got to be a focal point. Yeah, so our last football question before we discuss something that everybody know, talks about in the uh, holiday season. Are the Patriots just an average football team benefiting from playing in the AFC East? I don't, I don't think that's true. I, I think it's, this is one of those years where the Patriots want everybody to consider them, you know, the underdog so they can go win it all and then act like, you know, they weren't undefeated for the first, what, 10 games this season, nine games this season. <laughs> uh, everybody's playing into this, like, feel bad for the Patriots. Maybe they're frauds story. And it's just like, we're all too smart for this. Like, we've seen this happen before. Like, you can't count the Patriots out during a regular season like it's just it's pointless you're wasting time really considering if the patriots are 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 real or not uh to me the the cons the, the trouble for the patriots is they're a very average offense and it was something i noticed watching the the chief game here today brady is usually so good going through his progressions but what i'm seeing is more often than not especially the last two weeks he's gets locked in on one receiver and that's all he's looking at. And I think he, he has such little faith in the guys outside of Julian Edelman that are catching the ball that he's just going with a predetermined, Hey, I know this guy can catch it. That's where I'm going with the football. And that's going to be, I think more problematic, especially going to the playoffs. If, if he can't get his receivers and him on the same page, they may be one and done because teams are just going to sit on wherever his eyes go. They'll play zone and they'll just sit on where he looks. Joe, what are your thoughts? Yeah, but do you blame Tom Brady? I mean, who 
who is he going to throw to in his next progression if it's not Julian Edelman? You don't have Rob Gronkowski, and, and to credit with how well the Patriots have been over the years, they cycle through wide receivers like it's nothing. They just have struggled to find consistent targets for, for Tom Brady. They still obviously are able to do it every single year, but Tom Brady's just had this season. I mean, if it's not Julian Edelman, he has to just try to throw a perfect pass, and even for a quarterback like him, it is so tough to throw a pinpoint pass every single time. And I feel like you have to do that with some of their young wide receivers that are still learning on the fly. I mean, Nikhil Harry just came back from injured reserve, and he's still kind of getting in the groove of things. You're asking a rookie wide receiver to, you know, be a top receiver on your team, almost essentially for a team that's going to be competing for a Super Bowl. So Tom Brady, they've, I think they've really missed Gronk this year. They haven't had a guy down the middle. Um, a big jump ball guy that Tom Brady can act as his security blanket. So I think it's just been – you've seen him. You saw him last Sunday against the Texans. It's extremely frustrated that their offense hasn't been able to get any, everything going. But I, I don't know the people who still continue to, like, question this team. I won't until Tom Brady retires because we do it every single year and they somehow still find a way to pull it out. Their defense is really good, and they'll probably still find a way to get a home playoff game, and they're really tough to play at in Gillette Stadium. So uh, – I will never question this team or doubt this team until Tom Brady retires. I told myself I would do that after they won again this this past season. So, for me, uh, I just won't do it. <laughs> Don't want to go out on that ledge. Nope. You, you are smart, Joe. You are smart. Yeah. All right. You said any thoughts? So, yeah, I think, like, you look at the Patriots' schedule, and I feel like they do have one of the easier schedules this year because it's like you look at it. I mean, they went through a three-week stretch in October where they got to play the Redskins, the Giants, and then the Jets, right, followed up with a game against the Browns. So, like, it's they the schedule is easy, which is why they're able to stack these wins. Now, when they granted, when they do play against tougher teams, like the Texans, for example, or the Chiefs, for example, you know, they're um they are, like, you know, Teams are challenging Bill Belichick now, and in the past, it was just it just wasn't like in the past. It's been like, oh my God, Patriots are a powerhouse. I don't see that like as much anymore. Now I still know that things are probably gonna end up clicking over the next few weeks. Here, they're gonna finish the season out with like a three or four game win streak, and then they're just gonna ride that like into the playoffs. All right, so we'll hopefully week fourteen. There's nothing crazy that we miss happening. Kansas City barely holding on right now by seven. But we're going to go off topic. And in honor of Thanksgiving, in a couple weeks, it's Christmas time coming up. We asked, what is the most overrated dish brought to a Thanksgiving slash Christmas dinner? Now, we got some interesting answers. And in fact, I think the most interesting answer came from one of our guests who... I'm going to turn it over to him. You defend yourself. Who said mashed potatoes is the most overrated side dish? Yeah, so um, so anyway, this is a funny story behind this. So I was at a Thanksgiving dinner, uh, obviously, you know, the day of Thanksgiving, and all this awesome food was out. And what happened is mashed potatoes were there right now. They're just the most, like, plain and boring dish to me. And the history of the universe. So granted, you know, just out of respect to my aunt and uncle, I put some on my plate, ended up uh, finishing the entire, like, the scoop that I put on my plate, finished that up with some gravy. But yeah, mashed potatoes are just, like, super uh, overrated. That's fair. I'm not mad at that. I'm not, okay. I'm not mad at that. 
I got I got some people that responded that were kind of shocked that that was the answer, uh, the mashed potatoes. But I can I can understand where you're coming from, especially if it's if if you don't put a little a little seasoning or something in there, Joe. What is the most overrated side dish to you that's brought to a Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner? Turkey. That that shit is so dry. Is so oh, okay. I, I hate turkey so much. Give me a ham a day a week. I told my mom this over Thanksgiving. I thought she was gonna slap me, but I, turkey is sucks. It sucks. Um, I, I just can't do it. I, I if I had to fill up my entire Thanksgiving plate with everything but turkey, I'd do it. But like, obviously, out of respect, you got to put the turkey on there. But man, I, I can't deal with that. And I I I saw some other people who said the same thing. It's probably a pretty unpopular take, but. Man, I just can't do turkey on Thanksgiving. I know it's like the staple of it, but man, give me the stuffing, give me all the other side dishes. But to me, turkey, unless you're putting it in a sandwich or or smothering with a ton of stuff on it, I can't eat that that stuff by itself. Just it won't go down. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I get made fun of, but I have to have some sort of condiment when I'm eating turkey because it's just it's so dry. There really isn't a way to to make it not dry and it just doesn't have a taste to it brandon your overrated dish brought to thanksgiving or christmas is uh hands down pumpkin pie uh i got real beef with pumpkin pie like it's i already don't like pumpkin flavor stuff so the fact that you turned it into a pie and then they try to force it on everybody like pumpkin pie just seems to be the staple for everybody's thanksgiving holiday and I just don't get it. Like, it's not good at all. I think apple pie and sweet potato pie are far superior. But here we are, you know, getting stuck with the ugly duckling every year. And we're expected to just, you know, eat this crap. <laughs> you took the one I said. Now, I always get made fun of because I'm I'm born in the month of October, which Halloween, pumpkins, right? I absolutely hate pumpkin. Anything oh pumpkin. It's I disgusting. It, it it is the worst tasting thing I've ever had, and I get made fun of. Oh, here's some pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving. You want some pumpkin pie? Hell no! I hate pumpkin. <laughs> Plain and simple. So pumpkin pie is overrated to me. Very much overrated. Yeah, Joe, and it's not even close. You said you guys feel on the pumpkin pie hating train, or are you the opposite? No, I'll eat it. I mean, it's I, I, I wouldn't say it's like my favorite thing. I, I, I'm a big apple pie guy. Miss me with that sweet potato pie. I'm not, I don't, that sounds oh, good. Oh, Joe, not, not you. No, no. Man, I don't know about that. come on, man. <laughs> I'll have to give it a try. I'm, 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 a, I'm a big proponent of not judging it until I've had it. So I'll, I'll hold you to it. But now pumpkin's okay. I, I'm not going to go out, out of my way to eat it, but I'll have some. But if you're giving me some kind of pie, there's there's about a billion other, other pies better than pumpkin pie. No doubt. So, um, you know, for me, like, pumpkin pie is okay. I'm not the biggest, like, fan of it. I work at Starbucks, so I get damn annoyed when they roll out the pumpkin spice lattes. Because then I know it's the, you know, because then it's like, that's, like, everyone just coming in and getting a PSL, which I didn't even know before I started working at Starbucks, stood for pumpkin spice latte, right? But anyway, (laughs) my, my, like Dave, right, my beef with pumpkin is the fact that, like, once it's like September, it's like 95 degrees outside. Everyone's like falls here and everywhere I go from like the grocery store to like, you know, 
just there's something pumpkin everywhere. There's like pumpkin oatmeal, pumpkin honey nut Cheerios, and it's like people, can we just stick to the basics and have like pumpkin pie and like pumpkin spice latte, and that's it. Like you know, no need for like pumpkin flavored pop tarts either. That's a crime. Pumpkin flavored pop tarts. <sighs> you, you would be surprised, Brandon. You would be so go right now while we're talking. Go look up all the stuff that you can get pumpkin wise. It, it's going to blow your mind. Oh, it's going to make me sick. I'm not even going to do that. I'm going to I'm going to look this up. We had a couple. We had some people send in some uh, some comments as well. For this debate, we had one person send in, and basically the entire Winter's Milk coaching staff chimed in with this. Um, green bean casserole was was one of the top Ooh, hits. That's like my favorite. Oh man, who said that? I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with casserole, bro. I, I don't. I never understood it. Uh, I never understood it. What's oh, the man, What's I, the I big love, love it? What's the big idea with it though, Joe? Well, I, what they, what makes casserole so the good? Fried, the fried onions on top of it. I mean, I don't eat it. Like <laughs> I've had it before. Like I, probably like twice. I've had casserole in my life. I just I never understood it. We did have somebody send in cake. It's what? pie season. You can't have cake at Thanksgiving or Christmas. Whoever sent that in is crazy. You can have cake at any at any time of the year. <laughs> and there, there was one more. Oh, the, the most popular one, in fact, was cranberry, gentlemen. Cranberry yeah, yeah. was very high. Oh, Screw cranberry that. sauce. I, I agree. Yeah. I, that's not overrated. It's just bad. Like it's just <laughs> disgusting. It shouldn't be highly rated by anybody. Like it's just not good. I mean, right. I, I like the cranberry sauce, you know. So, um, oh. was that? Yeah, was that Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner? Put like some of it onto my plate because, yeah. Cranberry sauce is uh, cranberry sauce is good, but just regular cranberries are much better. By by the way, I just found a list from AOL.com of these. It's it's a list of pumpkin flavored things you have to try. Brandon, you might be sick when I read some of these to you. They have pumpkin pie Kit Kats. Nope. Pumpkin spice blue diamond almonds. The pumpkin spice popcorn. <laughs> There's just no need. <laughs> the pumpkin sp- pumpkin uh, spice mini wheats, but I don't know if any of us eat mini wheats here. You can get here, here you go, Brandon. You can get pumpkin spice Jello. Why? Uh, <laughs> why? Like, why are these things that people buy? You got donuts. You get pumpkin spice donuts. Uh, Brent, Joe, is any of these appealing to you? No, but I, I don't have a huge hatred of pumpkin like you guys do. But <laughs> I mean, it's, I wouldn't go out of my way to have any of these things. Does this stuff sound good to you, Joe? Like, is yeah, is this your style? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, Joe's going. Joe's going radio silent, not answering. <laughs> I mean, I'm I, on I, the I, um, yeah. I'm on the like the Food Network website for pumpkin flavored stuff, right? And one of the things I see in this slideshow, which is like 80 pictures almost, is Bailey's original Irish cream pumpkin spice. Yeah, see, like, why do you need it? Like, who who wants that? 
Who rolled out of bed and was like, yo, you know it would really be good? Bailey's Irish cream, but wait, pumpkin flavored. I know one of the, one of the items on the list was pumpkin spiced vodka. Like Yeah, like come on, come on, people. Come on. <laughs> we could right. do so much better. We could do so much better. All right. Anything else we want to add before we get to the hit list? Oof. Nah. All right, Brandon, it's our favorite time of the week. Yes, it start, is. start us off, brother. Who is on your hit list this week? All righty. Well, today, I think this is a given. You know, everybody knows how my Sunday shaped out. Uh, shook out. I want to say shaped. Shook out. Uh, today is uh, Brandon Stevens versus the Buffalo Bills. Um there's just something hard about watching this team in close games. Like, I don't understand why Josh Allen is taking sacks on what would be fourth and four. He's taking sacks for 12 yards. It's almost like he doesn't know how to play football. It's like some weeks he'll look like, you know, like, oh, my God, like this is the guy that we drafted. You know, everything is going to be all right. He just has to keep playing like this. And then the next week, it's like, what the hell happened? Like, you forgot how to do even the most basic shit for a quarterback. And it, it, every week is a roller coaster as, as a Bills fan. You know, like, it's not all green grass and sunshine over here, even at 9 and 4. Like, every week is a roller coaster, and I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. <laughs> Joe, who's on your hit list? Mine is I don't know who if it's either the Patriots uh, or the or the Chiefs equipment staff. I don't know if you guys saw the story about how the equipment didn't almost make it to Foxborough for the game today. And apparently, if that wouldn't have happened, the Chiefs would have had to forfeit that game. Um, <laughs> then I saw apparently videos of of the Chiefs uh, equipment staff like making social media videos on the like week leading up or just like. TikTok videos. So, I mean, if they would have somehow blown this and accidentally, I think they sent, actually sent it to New Jersey instead of New England. Um, if you forfeit a game, a playoff game, basically, <laughs> for not being able to get your equipment there, uh, I don't even know. There are no words. <laughs> I feel like everybody's fired at that point, right? Yeah, like, yeah they're clearing house at that point. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, guys. I know who to blame Dan Williams. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was definitely Dan's fault. 100%. (laughs) He was definitely in charge of it. All right. You said this is your first time. This is your first hit list. Who do you have a beef with that you want to tell the world about? So, uh, yeah, this is actually a true story. It happened uh, last night, actually. So, anyway, after that game, that uh, Bears-Cowboys game on Thursday night, what happened is I decided to write an article on how the Bears offense was doing better without Taylor Gabriel because certain players have just, like, really stepped up and taken off. And so, anyway, I did that. We published the article. The article is out um, on Friday. I'm sorry, on Saturday morning it was out. It got about 5,000 views. Now, Saturday night, I'm just sitting around, you know, watching some football, and I see a notification on my phone from uh, Taylor Gabriel. And it said, Turbo Taylor wants to, like, talk to you. And so, again, this is a Bears wide receiver. And so he sends a Y sticker first off. And then he starts questioning me, like, about his uh, article and whatnot, or about my article and whatnot. And then after that, he went... 
And he's like, yeah, you know, like, oh, it's not me. It's just like everyone else has really stepped up and played well and just like respect. And I'm excited to uh, get back out there on Sunday. And the whole time I'm trying to like, as we're texting back and forth, like I'm trying to be respectful. I'm like, yeah, you know, got to be respectful of this guy. But um, you know what? Like this dude is literally freaking softer than whipped cream. Oh, man. Whoa, oh. man. Fire back at him. Let him know how you really feel. <laughs> All right. That, that, that's a good one. <laughs> it's a good one. I don't know how I'm going to top that, but my beef is with the Houston Texans. How the hell do you beat up on the Patriots, who played a little more respectable today against uh, – Tom uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. How do you whip the butt of the of the Patriots at home, and then at home the following Sunday you let the fighting Drew Locks come in and kick your ass? And, and I know the final score thirty eight twenty four. You can say whatever. They got their ass kicked. Uh, they got a couple late touchdowns to make that close, but they got their ass kicked. So the Houston Texans got a lot of questions to answer. And coming up as the average Joe, the linebackers come and dress as the average Joes. Yeah, you sure look like a bunch of average Joes trying to tackle Drew Locke and cover in that defense. So the Houston Texans are on my hit list this week. And you know what's weird, right, is that, like, last week they dressed up as, like, the SWAT team or something. So they rolled into, I think it was, they played at home against the Pats, right? They rolled into the stadium all big and bad, like, yeah, we're going to beat the Patriots. And then the next week, and they did, and it was like a reflection of their uniforms. And the next week you come in dressed as average Joes, and you get absolutely trounced. Like average Joes. Yeah, you know, so I, I think, like, well, you know, there needs to be some sort of joke. I think this is how we're going to have to look at the Texans from now on is when the players walk in, right? We're going to see, like, and you see, like, the clips on, like, TV or whatever for the game. Um, you know, whatever they're dressed up as is just going to tell us, like, all right, this is how these guys are probably going to end up playing today. <laughs> all right. Anyone else got anything to add before we wrap this one up? That's it. All right. You said, how was your first time on the show? It was awesome, guys. I uh, really enjoyed it. You know, I pretty much like live, breathe, eat sports. Um, so, you know, I'll be on here anytime you guys need me to uh, be on here. All right. Well, we appreciate that. Joe, Brandon, we're back next week. We'll have Peyton Gerard on. We'll have David Miles. And Brandon, you're serving your punishment. Oh, can't wait. We will Can't we will wait. put out we will put out on Twitter for those of you curious what Brandon's song will be. We will have that out in the coming days. But that's gonna do it for us. Our thanks to you said for coming on. Our for Brandon Stevens. Danny, show me the war chest. For Joe Schiller. The FC runs through Baltimore. I'm Dave Stanwell. Have a great week, everybody. We will talk to you all next week. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.